Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Hey there, folks, and welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon, and this is episode number two. Today, we're going to be talking shed hunting, shed hunting stories, shed hunting tips, and the funny story of how I actually fell through a frozen river while out looking for antlers. Sound like a plan? Let's do it. Alrighty, joining me this balmy afternoon, as always, is my co-host Dan Johnson. How you doing, man? You know, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, it's only Wednesday, but I feel like my week has been dragging on. Uh, my daughter, my daughter does not like to sleep. She didn't like to sleep last night. She's typically a good sleeper, so uh, Daddy didn't get much sleep last night. Uh, <laughs> that is no fun. I, I'm lucky at this point. I don't need to deal with uh, uh, the reduced sleep due to children, but I do have dog issues sometimes, if that counts for anything. My dogs occasionally wake up in the middle of the night barking at random boogeymen and stuff, so yeah, not too bad, though. How much sleep did you end up getting? Um, you know... Four hours, I think, which is, Oof. you know, I'm not complaining because four is better than zero. True, true, but it's definitely less than six to eight. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you know, you mentioned dogs. I kind of wish my daughter was trained like my dog. You know, she would be going to the bathroom outside in the front yard, but <laughs> <laughs> but at least it wouldn't be, you know, on the floor or in uh you know, having to change a diaper every once in a while, then all you got to do is give her a treat when she comes back into the house. And... <laughs> That's not a bad idea. You know, I think there's some people around where I live that do train their kids to do that based on what I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> what part of Michigan do you live well, in? Well, I don't, I don't want to say now. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but that's funny. How about, uh, how about the work day? I know that maybe the, the, or the listeners don't know, but you rush home from work every day just to film this show for us. Uh, how'd that go? You know, um, I got a little Honda Civic. It's uh, two doors, and it has great handling and pretty decent acceleration. So uh, I did some swerving <laughs> in and out of traffic to get here, but uh, uh, I'm here safe. And as soon as I'm done recording this, then I go and pick up my daughter from daycare. So my life is uh, my life's pretty busy right now. I guess so. I. Uh... I don't know if this will make you angry or not, but I woke up this morning, rolled out of bed, and went to my office, and I've been in my pajamas pretty much the whole day still. Um, so, rough day. Rough day here, too, I guess. <laughs> you know, the, the life of the, the self-employed person, right? The, or, know. Oh, you're technically a writer, so you're, you're, you live, a, I guess what you'd say, an alternate lifestyle anyway, right? Something like that, yeah. But I always joke, it sounds all great, but... I never know if I'm going to have that mortgage payment or not. So there's pros yeah. and cons, right? <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, well, we're both here, and uh, we're talking today about shed hunting. Um, we had a fun shed hunting trip not too long ago, Dan. I definitely want to talk about that. But overall today, I wanted to share some stories, um, talk to the listeners about some different shed hunting tips and tricks that can hopefully help them find more antlers, um, and then kind of cover everything in between. Um, that said, though, for those that maybe don't know what shed hunting is or aren't as familiar, Dan, do you want to give us maybe a quick intro to what shed hunting is all about and, and why it's worthwhile? 
Well, I'll I'll uh, I'll put it into simple terms. Okay, every year, deer, uh, their bucks, their antlers fall off their heads, and then they begin to grow new ones. Now, uh, crazy people like us, we go into the timber or to where these deer are living, and we walk back and forth and back and forth and back and forth until we find these sheds. And um, you know, if you're passionate about shed hunting, like I know me and Mark are. It's always cool to find a shed from a deer that you may have passed or that you, you've seen from the tree stand or you have some kind of history with. And uh, it's just a story that you, that you basically get to take home with you at the end of the day and say, hey, look what I found, you know, or hey, I passed this deer or hey, I've never seen this buck before. You know, or, you know, you flip through trail camera pictures and, and stuff like that. But in its simplest terms, and like my football coach in high school used to say, you got to keep your head on a swivel. So you just walk back and forth and you keep your head on a swivel and you try to hit all the places that you think uh, the deer are at. And if you're lucky, you'll run into a shed or two. Yeah. Yeah. That's the truth. That's at its core of that shed hunting. Um, it's funny. You know, shed hunting seems, you know, like a, a given for us, but you know, like I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of people that don't know what it is. And a couple funny stories on that, um, on that topic. One, uh, a buddy and I were out shed hunting earlier this year in Ohio and ran across a guy that was out cutting some wood and we introduced ourselves and we're chatting with him and he asked us what we were doing. And we said, we were, you know, shed hunting, looking for deer antlers and whatnot. And it's like, Oh wow, that's, that's cool. And no people did that. He's like, so how many, you know, how many do you find out there? And we mentioned it. We found five today. And he was just like, holy smokes, there's five dead deer out there. And what do you do? Do you saw the antlers off or how do you get them off? And the guy had no idea that deer lose their antlers every year. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of people don't realize that. It's kind of incredible to think about, you know, especially these big deer that they grow these new antlers every single year. It's uh, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah. But another quick one that is a favorite. This was two years ago, I think. That same friend of mine and I were in Iowa shed hunting, and we were staying at another friend's house who wasn't so big into shed hunting. And uh, me and my buddy Corey, we decided to head out. We're looking for antlers all day while our other friend, he stayed at home, and he was going to go fishing or something. Well, about halfway through the day, we get a text message from this guy, and he says, hey, I decided to go out shed hunting. We'll see how it goes. So we, were, we thought that was pretty cool, and about half hour, maybe an hour later, he sends his text message back, and he's like, I found six. And me and Corey hadn't found a single one all day, so we couldn't believe it. We were uh, just, this is how it usually goes, right? We shed hunt all day, couldn't find anything, and the guy that doesn't care about sheds goes out and finds six in like a half hour. So we tell him to send us a picture, and a few minutes later he sends us a picture, and it's a picture of a kind of a grassy, overgrown field, and you know, little branches here and there, and there's a red building in the background, and some random conifer trees and whatnot. And so me and Corey are sitting here looking at this picture, looking for the antler and we spent a couple <laughs> minutes maybe five minutes looking for this antler we're zooming in trying to find you know where this possible antler could be hidden in this picture we thought he was sending us you know this shot that he wanted us to kind of look all over to find the antler finally we text him back like we can't see the shed he sends back it's the big red one in the back <laughs> he sent, <laughs> he's he, he sent us a picture of a work shed and that was his sixth work shed he'd found that day uh, or storage shed, I guess I might say. So was he actually playing, like, being a smarty pants, or was he just that ignorant? No, he he knew what he was talking about. Oh, he was okay. Just, he was just being a, 
us smarty pants giving us a hard time. Well, so. I'll tell you, uh, where I work, uh, I mentioned, you know, people don't have any idea that people hunt deer and this is Iowa, you know? And, uh, so I, I said, well, I'm going to go out shed hunting this weekend. Uh, so where, where do you do that at? I said, well, um, out in some of my hunting properties, <laughs> they're just like, well, don't you think you're going to have better luck at like Home Depot or Menards? <laughs> okay, well, I'm not going to waste my time talking to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's how it is. But I guess now everyone listening at this point knows what shed hunting is. Um, and like you said, Dan, there's a lot of good reasons to do it. Like you said, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, it's great to have that physical, you know, uh, I don't know, physical item that you have a memory attached to that you can look back on. And, and as you mentioned, sometimes that's related to a deer you've seen before or know before. Um, and then from a hunting perspective, you know, that's helpful too, because you're going to know whether that deer made it through the year or not. Um, in some, in some cases, finding an antler can help you identify maybe where that deer is bedding, maybe where he's feeding during the late season. Um, so there's some valuable information there. Um, but I think, you know, let's dive into some details about about that a little bit later, but I thought first maybe we could kick off this larger discussion on sheds by talking a little bit about our trip that we had uh, earlier in March. I headed down to your neck of the woods, Dan, and which I appreciate the invite and got to do some shed hunting with you. So what do you think? Do you want to share a few highlights of our uh, Southern Iowa adventure? Well, um, please don't take this the wrong way, but <laughs> before we go any further. I just want to say you are never invited to Iowa again to shed hunt Ugh. because not only are you uh, a safety hazard, <laughs> you also find, you also find the biggest shed on the whole trip. And, uh, you know, I found a good one too, but yours was bigger. <laughs> and because we're, you know, we're macho men, you know, it's always a competition. Oh yeah. But no, it was a blast, man. I had fun. I'm glad you came. Got, I'm glad you got to uh, walk some of the properties that I hunt. And honestly, I'm glad you found uh, the bone that you found because, uh, you know, I'd like to start a tradition. You should come back next year. Yeah, it was it was a blast. I appreciate you leaving that shit out there for me to find and leading <laughs> me right to it. It did make me feel better about myself. So your plan worked. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know. Did I forget to erase the date that I found it before I placed it back out there? Yeah, I saw that permanent marker on the bottom. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, that was uh, that was an awesome antler. Um, you know, the, the antler Dan's talking about, I we've been walking a, a ridge system, and I came down this point um, that kind of came out of this larger um, kind of pine stand. And down at the bottom of this point, I just saw this great big tine arcing up uh, with a with an oak tree behind it and from 50 yards away or maybe maybe even further I could instantly just knew it was a giant shed I, even, I literally think I started shaking I was so excited so what that what did it end up scoring again I think it was 64 inches and four eighths so almost yeah. almost 65 inches definitely my best shed I've ever found um by long shot so gosh it was cool it had the split brow tine it had those two kickers off the g2 yep. And just all sorts of mass. It was just a cool antler. I, I still sit in my man cave room on occasion, just kind of spinning that antler around in my hands, looking at it, holding it. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, the best thing about it is at the end of the day, when we've walked all those miles and our legs are exhausted 
and that, you know, that bone you find just makes it all worthwhile. I mean, even days where you don't find anything, it's still all worthwhile, but, uh, that just makes it a little bit sweeter. Oh, it's so true. Having that one little bit of success can make all those miles, make all those miles worth it, but it can be tough. Jeez. After you walk for hours and hours and hours without finding any antler, that's, uh, it can be really tough to stay focused and stay excited. Um, well, I think our, our first day, you know, aside from the two acts, I'm going to call them accidental sheds that I found, <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I just love going out there, getting to be outside. And for me, it's, it's almost like a stress relief because, uh, I, I am inside, I'm almost like a caged animal at times. I feel like uh, at where I work in my cubicle that I sit in all day long. So any chance to get outside and just walk and be, be outside is, uh, is awesome. Yeah, I agree. Um, speaking of those two accidental sheds you found there at uh, the end of our first day, I want to kind of touch on that topic because what you had there was a trail camera set up with some corn that you'd put out there after the season was done. And you set that up so you could get trail camera pictures of whatever bucks might've made it through the season. And you wanted to identify what those deer might be. Now you ended up finding two shed antlers there right near that camera site. And I want to bring this up because there's a kind of a lesson to be learned here that I think is valuable. And that's how you can use trail cameras to help you shed hunt. Um, I like to use them in a couple ways. Number one, that reason that we just talked about, Excuse me, I've got the hiccups over here. <laughs> it gives you the the information you need to know if a buck made it through the season. And then number two, trail cameras can help you determine when those deer are losing their antlers. And that's going to help you out a lot because I think that timing your shed hunts is pretty important. You don't want to be shed hunting too soon because if you're walking a property multiple times before any of the bucks have lost their antlers, there's a possibility that you could push those bucks off to another property where they might lose their antlers uh, in that other place. So you definitely don't want to do that. At the same time, you don't want to shed hunt too late because squirrels are going to chew on them or you know other guys might come in and, and grab your sheds. So it's really trying to find that sweet spot. Also, you know the whole issue of snow is another big deal too. So I use trail cameras here in Michigan to help me understand, you know, when are the majority of bucks, um, when have the majority of bucks lost their antlers? And then I know whether or not I should go in there and start looking. So I think it was cool that you had that camera out there. And then because you had the corn there, you know, that led to the fact that you found a couple antlers. So yeah. it's, pretty yeah, it's something I do every year. Uh, and typically it's, you know, the corn piles there just to keep deer in the area because I hunt on a property that doesn't have a lot of, um, ag fields surrounding it so as soon as the crops are out every year um, and the, the first snow comes down the deer go to other places and so um, after this after the season's over I drop the corn throw the trail camera out and like you said it helps me get an inventory of the bucks that made it through the year um, and then I also can play it by ear on when to get out and actually do some do some walking yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's the way to do it. And I think that kind of, um, this transition us well into a, a basic, um, piece of advice when it comes to shed hunting. And that's about the main places you're going to find sheds. And like you did while it was a kind of man-made food source, you found two sheds right there at a food source. And those are one of the, 
best possible places to find shed antlers in the spring because deer obviously spend the majority of their time at this time of year doing two things, either feeding or bedding. And so those are the, those are the two spots overall that you really want to focus your time on looking for antlers. So in this case, it was corn, uh, a corn pile in that case, but in many other areas, it's going to be cut corn fields or cut bean fields or maybe a food plot. Um, you know, some cases there'll be different brush within the timber that's um, that's holding deer and getting them to feed. But overall, if you know where the top food sources are in your area, especially during the late season, those are going to be great places to look for sheds. Um, anything else that you would add, Dan, in regards to you know looking for antlers around food sources and stuff like that? No, I mean it's typical. It's typically you know, exactly what you said. Just find their bedding area, find where you think the food source is and walk back and forth between those two points. And you're going to, you know, if, if there are deer in your area, you're going to see their tracks, especially if there's snow on the ground or typically this time of year, it's, um, the ground's wet. So you're going to see fresh tracks or a well-used path and you just keep going back and forth and back and forth. And you got to put in miles, you know, some of these guys, uh, who own, you know, thousands of acres of property or own a lot of property with no pressure, have these huge food plots. They can go out and they can just walk their food sources or, the, you know, a little bit around their bedding area and find a ton of sheds. But guys like me, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners don't have that luxury. So uh, we got to put in the miles for the piles. That's the truth. It's a lot of walking. Um, and to follow up on one of the things you just mentioned, you talked about the fact that um, you, you can look in the in the mud for tracks or well-worn trails to find out where those deer are traveling. Another tip that I like that I actually think I got from Bill Winky, um, the founder of MidwestWhitetail.com, he once said that what he'll look for, and this you know, just makes a lot of sense, but you know after the snow melts, it can sometimes still be hard to see where the most deer activity has been. So he'll look for droppings because mm-hmm. once that snow melts, there'll be just tons of droppings wherever those deer are bedding. So whenever I get into an area that looks like a good bedding area and I find tons of droppings, I'm really going to spend some extra time doing some searching there. Um, I think the key is to, to, to cue in on the poo, cue the poo. <laughs> <laughs> is that going to be copywritten? Copy wrote, whatever? It, it might be. It just came to me, but that might be a good a, one. I see that on a t-shirt. <laughs> you make that shirt and uh, I'll wear it. <laughs> Deal. Um, so speaking of bedding areas then, which, you know, as you mentioned, are great spots to look for sheds. Um, you know, for me, what that looks like in Michigan is typically cedars or swamps or really thick grass. That type of thing usually is holding deer um, in the later season here for us. I also look for grassy areas right next to food sources. So lots of times we'll have like a cut cornfield and then along it is a border of, you know, tall native grasses. And lots of times those deer will feed in the field and then just step just off the edge of the field into that tall grass and bed down partway through the night as they're kind of feeding, bedding, feeding, bedding. So those are the kind of areas I look for here in the flatlands of Michigan. But I know around you down in Iowa and some of the other spots I hunt, like in Southern Ohio, there's a lot more topography and hills and ridges and everything. Um, so when I was there with you, like I mentioned, I found that really big shed on a ridge. And I think that almost all of the sheds we found were all 
along ridges or points or something along those lines. And do you typically find that the deer around you are betting on those ridges, Dan, or points? Yeah. Um, and for a couple reasons. Okay. So obviously this winter was very harsh and any chance an animal can get to warm up, they're going to do that on a South facing slope and on the South facing slope, because it has the most direct sunlight throughout the entire winter, that snow is going to melt first. Uh, they're not going to have to walk through it. So it's easier for them to travel. Uh, they're going to stay warm and they're going to expose themselves maybe a little bit outside of their bedding area to get some of that sunlight to help them warm up. Yep. So, so those South facing ridges, and hills and um, anything that's getting a lot of sunlight is going to be up. And like what you saw when, when we were shed hunting on the last trip that we went on, uh, that's where a majority of the, of the sheds were at. Yeah, no, that's a huge point. I'm glad you brought that up. The South facing slopes are so important. Um, and, and just like you mentioned, that's where the snow disappears first. So you're going to find deer there and you're, you're going to find sheds. And in our case, um, when we were shed hunting, because there was so much snow still present, those were really the only spots that we could even see if there was an antler because of that snow. So they yep. came in, they came in super handy. Um, another, um, as we're on that same topic, another one of the sheds that we found on one of those, sort of on one of those ridges, was that really nice antler that you found, Dan, at the fence crossing. Yep. And we kind of talked about this as you found it, the fact that so often we hear about people saying, you know, look for sheds at fence crossings or creek crossings. Um, and I don't think I had ever found one there. And I think if I remember correctly, you said you hadn't either. Is that right? That's right. right. I've never found, you know, I've had buddies where a, a buck will jump the fence and they'll find the match set laying right next to it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, obviously guys like us, we're not that, we're not that lucky, No. but, uh, yeah, that, that's exactly what it looked like. He was, you know, coming out of that draw, he jumped the fence and, uh, popped it off. Yeah. And it makes perfect sense. And I think, you know, it's definitely a good place to look, even though, you know, we haven't personally found many that way. I'm sure there are a lot of sheds that end up on the ground because of that, that knock when a deer jumps over something. So again, that's a, a good tip. You know, focus in on those spots where deer are forced to jump over a creek or a fence or a down tree or something like that. Um, always look for those areas where an antler might be might be jarred loose. Um, and then, you know, there's always the occasional sheds that drop for no apparent reason. Like when I was yeah. down in southern Ohio in the middle of a bean field, I found a perfect match set. It was a little tiny dinky six point, but it was my first match set I ever found. And, you know, he'd just been feeding there, sitting there in the middle of the field eating. And then I, I can just imagine this little yearling six pointer sitting there and all of a sudden just feeling this weight drop off of his head and him looking around like, what the heck just happened? It's <laughs> kind of what I imagine. And, uh, I've seen, and I don't know if this is an old wives tale or, um, but I have literally come up to a buck while shed hunting that had a little blood coming off of his head and he was standing in the middle of the cornfield and he looked like he was dazed. Really? And I guess what, from what others have told me, I don't know if this is true or not, but if they, once they lose their antlers, uh, that pops off their head, whether it's one or two, they become disoriented for a while. And, really? and I, I'm not joking. I walked up probably 10 feet from this buck just to, you know, I thought he was going to run away, but I, I kept getting closer and cl getting closer. And he just looked at me like he was, like he was dazed. 
and wasn't a very big buck, probably a two-year-old, and he had blood dripping off his head from where, you know, out of out of his pedicle, and I assumed he just lost his antler, and that kind of confirmed for me that when it happens, they become a little bit, you know, this is off subject, but a little bit disoriented. So that's kind of weird. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. It's funny you mentioned that because. I think it was last weekend. Um, yeah, I think last weekend I was shed hunting in northern Iowa, and we came across a situation kind of similar to that. I didn't actually see it, but one of the people with me, um, Kendall, saw a small buck that had shed its antlers that was just sitting next to a tree, and like you said, it just looked disoriented. We thought it was sick, um, but she walked pretty close to it, and it didn't jump up. It didn't you know, do anything like a normal deer would, and I wonder... Um, we didn't think of this at the time, but I wonder if maybe that's what happened. Maybe it just shed its antlers relatively recently and uh, was still kind of recovering from that. Yeah. And interestingly, just across the valley, maybe 100 yards away from where we found that deer, we found four sheds, which any one of them could have been from this deer because it was a you know probably a year and a half deer. So yeah. that, that makes me wonder. Speaking speaking of that spot where we found those four sheds, um, it brings up another point that I wanted to mention, and that's talking about just how this past winter affected how deer shed their antlers. This super tough winter, a long winter, heavy snow, bitterly cold, I think this did a couple different things that has impacted shed hunting this year. Number one, because of how tough the winter was, I think for the most part, deer lost their antlers a little bit sooner. Um, but number two, what I think impacted shed hunting the most was that because of all the snow deer were much more herded up than some years i know in past years when i've gone down to iowa there's been some really mild winters and there was just no reason for deer to all be in one general area they were spread all over the place there was food everywhere it was uh, pretty lackadaisical but this year with a really tough winter we i believed that deer would be more concentrated in certain areas and we found that when it came to shed hunting on two different days, we searched all day and hardly found any antlers. And at the end of each day, we came on, in both cases, it was a ridge with bedding right next to a cut cornfield. And we came on these two spots and found the first day on one ridge, seven sheds within like an hour, hour and a half. And the second day, I think we found four or five within like 30 minutes. Um, so I'm pretty sure that's because of the fact that these deer were really concentrated in these core areas that had good bedding, really close to good food, and they didn't do anything except for go back from that bedding to feeding, exerting as little energy as possible. Um, so that was an interesting kind of thing that we found this year, and I think if you're still shed hunting this year, that's something to consider, that these antlers are probably going to be a little more concentrated than the past, and especially the fact that in some areas the snow is just starting to melt and you know people are just getting out shed hunting, I think we're going to find that more and more over the next couple weeks. Yep. And that's, uh, I agree a hundred percent. I mean, they're going to take with this winter, they're going to take the path of least resistance and you're, you're probably even going to find them bedding closer to food sources. Um, and that deer that we saw while driving back to my parents' place after that shed hunt yeah. was a perfect example of how harsh this winter was. I mean, you could see, you could almost see through this deer. He was so skinny. Yeah. It's, it's sad to see that this was, uh, this was definitely a tough winter on a lot of deer, that's for sure. And typically, you know, they're able to get to the ag fields and, you know, use their nose to find some food, even dig into the, the grass or into the field. But 
you know, this year with so much snow, I don't even know how some of these deer herds survived. I, I tell you what, I wouldn't want to be a deer. <laughs> I agree. That's for sure. It was I think brutal. It's just the word that keeps coming up to me. It was just absolutely brutal. But but that said, what do you think, Dan? Any other any other pretty good shed hunting tips you think we should share today? No. Uh and it's just like it's kind of just like hunting. Um you have yourself and another point, you know, point A and point B that you gotta come across it. And, you know, although you can, you know, stack the odds in your favor, you know, walk in bedding areas and food sources and all that stuff, that doesn't mean you're gonna find any sheds. So cover as much ground as you possibly can. For me, this year was limited. I only got to go out a couple times. And uh, aside from what I typically do, um, and that's just pound the ground as, you know, as long as I can. Unfortunately, this year I didn't have to. Um, cover as much area as you can, and, and that's going to increase your odds for, uh, uh, for sheds. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's the truth right there. I think two other things I'd add. Um, number one, in addition to pounding the ground and putting a lot of miles on it, what I always try to remember is that even if you cover a lot of miles, if you're not focused on trying to see antlers, if you're looking up at the sky or if you're watching deer run away or if you're chit-chatting the whole time and not actually constantly scanning the ground ahead of you and to the sides of you, if you're not focused on that task, you're going to miss antlers. You just yep. you have to be 100% focused. And with that, you need to stay optimistic. Like we talked about earlier, you, know, you can walk for hours or days and never find anything. And it's tough when that happens not to just kind of get disenchanted and, and to lose that focus. So yep. I'm constantly trying to remind myself to stay optimistic, to stay focused, because, you know, just like hunting, it can all change in a second. So you got to stay on, stay on task. Um, and then the other thing that I just thought of now is in addition to looking ahead of you and right, you know, right beneath you, try to get different angles. Mm -hmm. So sometimes that means kneeling down or maybe standing up on top of a down tree or up on a hillside or a berm or something, try to get a different perspective because lots of times, you know, antlers can be hidden behind so many different things behind a clump of grass, behind a tree trunk, whatever it might be. It's tough to find them. Um, so get a different perspective. Another thing I'll do too is every couple of minutes, I'll always stop and just turn around. I'll try to stop and just do a slow spin and just look in all different directions because, again, it's that new perspective and occasionally taking a little extra time to look around sometimes can pay off. Um, it didn't really help me this year, but it helped uh, It helped people in my group. At one point, we were crossing a fence, and we had just stepped over this fence, and we're, the three of us, me, Ross, and Kendall, were just standing there chit-chatting. And all of a sudden, Kendall goes, oh, there's a shed. And there was a shed literally no more than like two feet from my foot. It was right there, right underneath me that whole time, but I just never saw it. So I guess sometimes it pays to take some extra time and look around because we definitely miss more than we see, I think. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and to be honest with you, I think one of my – one of the five – I think it was like my fourth biggest shed I've ever found. Uh, I stepped over to this down tree, and uh, I was walking, and it was, the wind was blowing in my face. So, you know, don't ever pee into the wind. I turned around to go to the, you know, to take a leak and there's, there's a shed right on the opposite side of this log where it looked like the, uh, the deer was bedded 
And Jeez. there, there it was. And I'm just like, Oh, that's, that's cool. Good thing. I, good thing. Nature called. <laughs> that's awesome. Just like my story last week talking about how I got my deer this December. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Exactly. That might, that might be the trick to it. I'm finding out. <laughs> Drink lots of water before you go out into the woods. There you go. There you go. <laughs> That's that is horrible advice. <laughs> <laughs> that as well as coffee. That'll make you exactly. have to use the bathroom in a different way. <laughs> exactly. Oh geez. I guess kind of on a. Now that we're on the kind of goofy note, maybe we should divulge the full details of my river accident. What do you think? I say go for it, man. Um... I thought I lost you there for a second, Mark. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I have to blame, I blame you for this. I want you to know, Dan, that I would, I'm the kind of guy that's, I'm, I'm risk, uh, risk averse, I think would be the proper word. I usually okay. would not cross a frozen river, but, you know, here I am shed hunting with my buddy in Iowa. I don't want to look like a wuss and you're trudging right across this frozen river. So of course I had to do it. But what's, what's funny is, you know, as you remember, I grabbed my camera. I'm like, all right, I'm going to film you, Dan. Maybe, you know, I thought it might be funny. You might fall in a little bit. I'll get it on film. Well, of course you didn't fall in. And then as soon as you crossed, I decided I'd go. And being what I, what I thought was smart, I said, okay, I see down here there's a narrower, a narrow um, <laughs> part of the river. I'll cross there. It looks easier. And literally, I think I told you this already, but literally just before I stepped foot on that ice, I thought to myself, you know what, Mark? You know that where a river narrows, it cuts deeper. <laughs> so that's probably deeper water. But I don't know why, but for whatever, whatever, for whatever reason, I took that common sense and pushed it away and said, I'm going for it anyways. And uh, what, the rest is history. I think I was, I was walking <laughs> walking across the river, and what you, what did you hear? Just a big crash? Or? I heard... I heard crack splash <laughs> and I turned back and I didn't see you because you know that there was that uh, uprooted tree yep. that was blocking you. And my first thought was man down first responder <laughs> mode. So like here I am running up, you're running along the bank of the, uh, the river and I see that you're belly crawling out of high school <laughs> and I'm like, the first thing I think of is all the training that I had in Boy Scouts. And I'm just like, hey, man, if I need to save Mark's life, I'm going to have to get naked and use my body heat to warm him up. And, you know, I got to do what I got to do. Uh, luckily, oh. it didn't get that bad. Yeah, thank, thank goodness it didn't get come to that because this whole this story would be a lot more awkward. <laughs> exactly. Oh, geez. Yeah, it was something else. Like you said, I I took a step right behind that that little log that was sticking out of the river and I just plummeted. It cracked right through. I dropped all the way down to my armpits. And actually, my right side went in all the way to my neck. And it was just my left arm that was sticking out. My left arm and my head was all that was sticking out of the water. Everything else went down. And I I kind of freaked out. I thought I was going under. <laughs> but luckily, I was able to pull myself up. And then, like you said, I, I kind of belly crawled across the ice. You know, I, I learned. I don't know where I learned it. But probably saw it in the news. You know, spread your weight out on the ice. So yep. you don't crack through again, and it worked. So that was my uh, that was my excellent ice adventure, I guess. We're both we're both alive, so we can look back at this and laugh. But yeah. the lesson learned is don't what don't cross 
at the narrow part of the river, right? Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to fall in the river going after sheds, at least fall in up to your knees and not up to your neck. Yep. Absolutely. If, if if you guys, if the listeners get nothing else from this episode, I hope that's what they take home with them today. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that the lesson is no shed is worth your life, but I don't think I can honestly say that. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's some pretty cool sheds out there. That, exactly. exactly. You know, if I if I was, you know, if we were on the other side of that river that I just crossed and then I saw like a 90-inch side on the other on the other uh, bank that I'd just been on, I'd probably run across it again to get it. I'd risk it. <laughs> Every, I know, I know a lot of people who would. I'm one of them. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, and it's a, it's an addiction, but it's a lot of fun. Um, and I think you know we're coming up on time here, so that should probably wrap it up for us. But you know, shed hunting is a ton of fun, as we discussed, and there's some real benefits to finding antlers in addition to just having fun, like we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, and given the snow and the fact that in a lot of areas just starting to melt now, you know, there's still a good couple of weeks of shed hunting. So I hope that all you guys, all you listeners are able to get out there the next weekend or two and find some more antlers. And hopefully these tips will help you. Um, you know, as always wanted to thank you all so much for taking the time to join us. We, we really, really truly appreciate it. And I hope that you've been enjoying the podcast so far. This is only our second episode, but I think we've got some great stuff in store for all the episodes to come. So thanks for joining us. And if you are enjoying, we'd really appreciate it if you could head over to iTunes and leave a quick review. It means the world. It helps the show out. And, um, you know, we would really appreciate that. Speaking of giving out uh, thank yous, I want to take a quick second to also thank our partners who, mo- who make this show possible. Um, so big thanks to Sitka Gear, Bushnell Optics, Trophy Ridge, Bear Archery, Redneck Blinds, Lacrosse Boots, Big and J Long Range Attractants, and the Whitetail Institute of North America. That's quite a mouthful there, but thank you, thank you, thank you to these guys. Um, all that said then, you know, be sure to visit wiredhunt.com slash episode two to get the show notes. We'll have different links to things we talked about and some more shed hunting tips. And if you haven't done so yet, be sure to sign up for our Whitetail Fix newsletter. We'll make sure to get you guys updates with anything new or, you know, worth paying attention to comes out from wiredhunt.com. So, Thank you again, and until next week, have an awesome week, and stay wired to hunt.